Today's daf is Ksubis daf Tzadik Gimel, and we are six lines from the top of daf Tzadik Gimel Omed Aleph, the Mishnah. Today's daf is being learned Le'ilu Nishmas Chaim Elazar Ben Yibadol Chaim Reb Shimshin Aryeh Zok the Mishnah Misha Hayonasoi Shaloish Nashim. There was a man that was married to three wives. So the name of the parak is Misha Hayonasoi. It's because the first mission of the parak begins with the words Mishahaya Nasoi, and really a story about someone that was married to Shtei Nashim. Our Mishnah is going to discuss a halacha related to someone that was married to three wives. The next Mishnah that we're going to learn tomorrow on the bottom of Amid Beis is going to discuss Mishahaya Nasoi Dalit Nashim. So these Mishnayis and these dafin have a little bit of a Yavamas dive, a, a vibe, stating that the topic here is not Yibum and Chalitza and Maimer and Achay Sishtoy and Achay Skukasa and Yezik or Einzik, but rather we're talking more about the dollars and cents, the financial ramifications of a man having multiple wives, specifically as it relates to the Ksubas. So the Mishnah, man was married to three wives, Umais, and then he died. Ksubasa Shazumana. One of his wives, Ksuba, was worth a mana, a hundred zuz. Vishelzu Masayim. The second wife's Ksuba was worth two hundred zuz. Vishelzu Shalosh Meyers. And then the third wife that he was married to had already a Toysvis Ksuba, and her Ksuba was three hundred zuz. So his first wife's Ksuba was a mana, a hundred zuz. Any almana or Be'ula's Ksuba is a hundred zuz, so presumably she was an Amana when he married her. The second wife's Ksuba was Masayim, a Psula always gets a Ksuba of Masayim. And then the third wife had a Ksuba of Shalosh Meyais. There is no woman who has Ksuba of Shalosh Meyais. We saw the Pnois Kehanim used to get 400, but we don't really have a Makar to 300, so obviously the Iker Ksuba was either 100 or 200, and there was a Toysvis Ksuba. But here's the bottom line. Man, three wives, they all have ksubas, obviously. And the dollar amount, the value of the ksuba is different. One wife's ksuba is 100 zuz. The second wife's ksuba is 200 zuz. And the third wife's ksuba is 300 zuz. Okay, the ancient elamon. Now, when he died, all he had was a mana. And because he only had a mana, now a fight broke out amongst all these wives. Who's going to take the mana? They all have a claim. And as a result, they all wanted a chelik of it. So it says the Mishnah Chalkim What we do is we take the mana and we divide it equally amongst the three wives. So each one of these wives is going to end up getting a third of the mana, a third of 100 zuz, or 33.3 zuz. What happens if when the man died, he didn't leave over a mana, but he left over Masayim? He left over 200 zuz. So then the way it's going to be distributed is as follows. Shalmana, the wife that has a mana, she's going to take 50. Shalmasayim. The wife whose ksuba was Masayim and Vishal Sholosh Meyers, and the wife whose ksuba is 300, Shloisha Shloisha Shalzov. Each one is going to take three dinrays of. Rashi says a dinar of Zav was worth 25 Zos. So if each one is taking three dinrays of, that means each one is taking 75 Zos. So in the case where the man died and he left over 200 Zos, the way it's going to be divided is the one that has a mana ksuba is going to take 50, and the other two are going to take 75. So 50 plus 75 plus 75 is 200. That's the way the 200 are going to be divided up. Let's say when the man died, he had 
300 zoos. So then the Allah says, Shall mana, the one whose ksuba is a mana, and italis chamishin, is going to take 50. Vishal masayim, the one whose ksuba is 200, mana is going to end up taking a mana. Vishal shalosh meyos, the one whose ksuba is 300, shisha shalzav, is going to get 6 dinrezav, or 150 zos each dinner is up again it's 25 zos so six dinner is up is going to end up being 150 so he left over 300 the way it gets divided is 50 100 and 150 the same is going to be true if there were three people that invested together so they had a, a kiss that they all contributed to in the event that this kiss went down in value or it went up in value, Rashi says it's going to be divided pro rata based on the amount of money that each person contributed to this kiss. So there's a lot going on in this short Mishnah and everything is going to be discussed in the Gemara. So the first half of the daf is going to discuss the first part of the Mishnah, which is the Misha And then the second part of the daf is going to discuss the last line of the Mishnah. So the first part of the Mishnah first. Mishnah is talking about, again, let's just get the case clear. A man who's married to three wives. Obviously, this is Precherim de Rabbeinu Gershon. He has three wives. All three of his wives have a ksuba. However, the dollar amount of the ksuba was different. One wife's ksuba was 100 zuz. The second wife's ksuba was 200 zuz. And the third wife's ksuba was 300 zuz. The man died. And the question now is, how to distribute the money? The Mishnah gave three scenarios. Scenario one is that when the man died, he left over 100 zoos. So there's 100 zoos that's going to be divided. Scenario two is we left over 200 zoos. There's 200 zoos that's going to be divided. Scenario three is we left over 300 zoos. So there are 300 zoos that are going to be divided. And the Allah is as follows. If he leaves over 100 zoos, all three of the wives, the one that has a ksub of 100, the one that has 200, the one that has 300, are going to divide the 100 zoos equally. Each one's going to get 33.3. If he leaves over 200 zoos, then it's not going to be divided equally. The one that has a mana is going to get 50. I mean, the one who's entitled to 100 zoos is going to end up getting half. It's going to get 50 zoos. And the other two, the ones that have a ksub of 200 and 300 respectively, are each going to get 75. So 50, 75, 75, that's how the 200 are going to be divvied up. If he died and he left over 300 zoos, that's the third case in the Mishnah, then the way it's going to be divided is the one that had a mon is going to get 50, the one that had Masayim is going to get 100, and the one that Ksuba was 300 is going to end up getting 150. And again, 50 plus 100 200 is is and and is 150 plus another 150 that's your 300 and that's the way the 300 is going to be divvied up now if you would think about this logically right if somebody asked you a non-economist or uh not someone who who gets paid to figure these things out how do you think the money should be divided so you have three people that are coming with a claim like what would be the logical way to to divide it so without thinking about it too much you would say one mahalach is maybe divided equally. I don't know. Just they all have a claim. So if they all have a claim, let's just always, let's just divide it equally, right? That seems somewhat reasonable. Another reasonable approach, the muschorishin, without thinking too deeply into this, would be maybe do it pro rata. So there's a ratio 
between these three women's ksubas in terms of how much each one has a, a shibud on. So maybe pro rata, based on that, that would be the way to, to divvy it up. So for example, if you would take the whole pot and you would divide it into six parts, the one that has a ksuba of a hundred zoos would get one of the six parts. The one that has a ksuba of Masayim so will get two of the six parts, and then the one that has 300 zoos so would get the other three of the six parts. Right? That would seem somewhat reasonable as well. And the truth is, if you look at the Mishnah, the first case of the Mishnah picked one of these two options. The Mishnah said that in the event that the man died, he left over one mana, what do we do? Chalkas Peshava. We divide it equally. Again, that seems to be somewhat of a reasonable approach. If you forward to the third case, this seems to be a methodology as well. What was the third case again? 100, 200, 300. The man died, he left over 300. The one that's supposed to get 100 gets 50. The one that was supposed to get 200 gets 100. The one that was supposed to get 300 gets 150. If you notice, they're each getting 50 cents on the dollar. So again, there's some methodology to it. There's at least a, a pshat. But the one of the three cases, which at first glance just seems to be completely illogical and irrational is the second scenario. Where the man died, he left over 200 zoos. The one that was supposed to get a mana is going to end up getting 50. So she's getting 50 cents on the dollar. And then the one that's supposed to get 200 and 300 respectively are each going to get 75. What does 75 have to do with anything? And why is it that the one that... 200 and 300 are getting the same amount, and why are they getting less than 50%? If the balas man is getting 50%, why are they getting less than 50%? That is going to be the struggle of the Gemara, to try to understand exactly what is going on in this Mishnah, and it's going to begin, it's going to start by focusing on the second seer, because really the second seer is the one that's Enoi Omer Eladrishuni, where it's very, very obvious that we have to do something here to this Mishnah to try to make sense of it. Now, one other piece that Rashi already speaks on in the Mishnah, that's very, very evident in the Gemara, and that is that if you think of the case on a little bit of a deeper level, meaning we started off by saying, let's just think about this very superficially, but if you dig a little bit deeper and you look at it a little from a Ksubis Lundis perspective, there's another thing that needs to be spoken out, and that is that the one that's owed a mana, the quote-unquote balas mana, she technically only has a shibud and a lien on one mana that this man left over. The one whose ksuba is masayim should have a shibud really on two of these manas, on 200. And the one that's owed 300 should have a shibud on 300. So for example, in the case where the man died and he left over masayim zuz, the one that's owed a mana only has a shibud on one hundred of the 200 zuz. The other hundred zoos, you can argue, we'll see, it's going to be debated in the Gemara, but you can certainly argue that, that uh, the hundred zoos has no shaykhis to the balas mana, because her ksuba is for a mana, so she has a shibun on a mana, the other mana that has nothing to do with her. In the case where the man died, he left over 300 zoos, so you can easily argue that if you were going to break it down using this thought process, that of the 300 zoos, the balas mana has a shibud on 100 of it, the balas masayin has a shibud on 200 of it, and it's only the balas shalish meyos that has a shibud on the entire 300. So again, just juggling all these ideas, we begin the Gemara. So the Gemara says that the 
Second case, where the man died and he left over Masayim Zuzim. What was the halacha? The Balas Mona gets 50. And then the Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalosh Meis each get 75. The Balas Mona gets 50. Talsin Utlas of Vitilsa Huda Isla. What she should get is 33 and a third. Talsin's 30. Tlasa is 3. And Tilsa's a third. She should get 33 and a third. And why should she get 33 and a third? It's based on this last thing that we just mentioned. And that is because Chura, the Balas Mana only has a Shibud, she only has a lean on one Mana. She has a lean on a hundred Zuz. The other two hundred Zuz have no Shaykhist there. So she has a lean on the hundred Zuz. She's not the only one that has a lean on the hundred Zuz. All three of these women have a lean on the hundred Zuz. They should divide that hundred Zuz equally. As a result, the Balas Mana should end up only getting. 33 and a third. Now, what about the other 200? So the second 100, you would think that the Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalosh should divide equally. And then the last 100 should go completely to the Balas Shalosh But let's just keep it simple. As it relates to the first mana, why is the Balas mana getting 50? L'chayr, she only has a lean on that first mana. And she only has a third because there are two other people that have the same shiva that she has. So why is she getting half? L'chayr, she should only get 33 and a third. That's the Gemara's kasha. So the Gemara, Shmuel, Shmuel said, you have to make an Akimta. There's no way to make this Mishnah work without making an Akimta. The Akimta is because Seves Balas Masayim, the Balas Mana, it's talking about where the Balas Masayim, the woman whose Ksuba is 200 Zuz, told the Balas Mana, only the Balas Mana, she told the Balas Mana, the one that has 100 Zuz, Din Udvarim Enli Imach Bemana, that I am going to be Masalik myself, the theme of Perak and some of these last Afanik Subas, that I am going to be Masalik myself, I'm not going to get in your way from being able to collect your Ksuba from the Mana. Meaning, this is something that I'm going to, to stay away from. Okay, what did that accomplish? What that accomplished was, is that now the Balas Masayim is out of the picture as it relates to the first mana. If the Balas Masayim is out of the picture as it relates to the first mana, so now the first mana should be divided, l'chaira, by the Balas mana and the Balas Sholosh Meyos. So they're dividing a mana. How are they going to divide it? Two people have a lean on the mana. You're going to divide it 50-50. So the Balas mana is going to end up getting 50. And the Balas Sholosh Meyos will end up getting the other 50. But the question was, how did the Balas mana end up getting 50? The answer is, the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself from it. And because she was Masalik herself from it, so now there are only two people claiming not three. But the Gemara asks the obvious question. Ihochi, if that's the case, look at the next part of this case. Seif is not the next case. This still, was still in scenario number two. The one that was supposed to get 200, the one that was supposed to get 300, each ends up getting 75. What's the kasha? Why does the Balas Masayim get 75? The Balas Sholosh Meyos should tell the Balas Masayim, Hosokas Nafshech Mina. Then you walk away from the first mana, meaning how is she getting 75? The Cheshman of 75 would be that she's getting part of the first mana, presumably, and half of the second mana. The Balas Masayim is entitled, really, to a third of the first mana, and to half of the second mana. A third of the first mana, because there's all three women have a claim on the first mana. A half of the second mana, why? Because she and the Balasholish Meis both have a claim on the second mana. As it relates to the third mana, only the Balasholish Meis has a claim on it. But if the Kimta is 
to, that the Balas Mosayim was Masalik herself completely from the first Mana. So if that's the case then, then Lechura, all she now has is a claim on the second Mana. She shears the claim with the Bala Shalosh Meir, so she should get half of it. She should end up getting 50. How does she get 75? That's the Gemara's Kasha. So I understand that by saying that the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself in the first Mana, so now only the Balas Mana and the Bala Shalosh Meir have a claim on that first Mana, so you just figured out a way to give the Balas Mana 50, even though really based on the logic, she should only get 33 and a third. You made an Akimta. Very nice. But the problem is, your Akimta helped you on one side of the equation, but it hurt you on the other side of the equation. Because if that is what's going on over here, so then why is the Balas Masayim getting 75? She walked away from the first mana, so all she now has is a claim on the second mana. She has nothing on the third mana, because it's not a Shubater. So all she has is a claim on the second mana. She shares it with the Balas Shalashmeas. She should end up getting 50. So how's she getting 75? So the Gemara says, no, we have to round out the Yerikim. There's another piece here. Mishum the Amrullah, the Balas Masayim is going to tell the Balas Sholesh Meyoyz, Midin Udvarim, who the Sliki Nafshoy. It's true that I was Masalik myself from the first mana, but I wasn't Masalik myself Ligamri from the first mana. I didn't say that I don't want to have any Chalik of the first mana. No, I do want to have a Chalik of the first mana. What I said was, and this is the way Rashi is Masbrit, I told the Balas Mana, I'm not going to get in your way. So meaning, from your perspective, I'm not going to Make believe I wasn't there. So if the Balas Masayim was not there, then the Balas Manu would end up getting half of the first mana, because she would share it together with the Balas Shalish Meas. And being that the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself from getting in the way of the Balas Manu, so Kachada, that's the way it's going to play out. That's what's going to end up happening. The Balas Manu is going to end up getting half. The Gemara thought that the way the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself in the first mana was by completely walking away from it. The Gemara saying that's not what happened. She was only Masalik herself clapping the Balas mana, but she still has a Yad over here. So if she still has a Yad, so what's the Cheshman? The Cheshman is what we then need to do is we need to take the other 50, divide it between the Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalosh Plus, we take the second mana and we divide that too between the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholish Meos. As a result, they're going to both end up getting 75. And that's the Cheshman of the Mishnah that they're both getting 75. So the Cheshman of why it's 50, 75, and 75 is because we're starting off with Masayim. The first mana is Meshubit to all three. The second mana is only Meshubit to the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholish Meos. Really, in a perfect world, the way this would play itself out is we would take the first mana, we would divide it into thirds, then we would take the second mana and we would divide it in half between the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholish Meis, which would then yield that the Balas mana would end up getting 33 and a third. The Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholish Meis would end up getting 83 and a third, right? Because they would each get 50 of the second mana and 33 and a third of the, of the first mana. But Hachabit Mayaskina, where the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself from the first Mana, because she was Masalik herself from the first Mana, but only Klape the Balas Mana. So what's going to end up happening is, is now she can't get in the way of the Balas Mana. She relinquished that right. So therefore the Balas Mana is going to end up getting as if the Balas Masayim wasn't there, which is half, 50. We then take the balance, the remaining 50, or the remaining 150, and we divide it equally between the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholashmeas, and they're going to end up getting 75. This is the way Rashi explains the Gemara. It's just Kedai to mention that there's a very, very interesting anomaly that's playing itself out in this case. And the reason is because what would happen if the Balas Masayim would not have been Masalik herself 
from the first mana. What would happen is we just mentioned it quickly. The Balas mana would get 33 and a third, and the Balas Masayim, the Balas Shalishmeis, would each get 83 and a third. That's what would happen. You would divide the first mana into thirds, because three people have a claim, and the second mana you would divide into two, because there are two people that have a claim. Because of what played out over here, because the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself, what's happening is now the Balas mana is getting 50. We're dividing the other 150 into two, and the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholeshmez are going to end up getting how much? 75 each. Which means that the Balas Masayim and the Balas Sholeshmez are going to end up getting less than they were supposed to get because of the Siluk. So here's the Kasha. This of the Balas Masayim gets less because of her Siluk. That's what she did. She was Masalik herself. She said, Ain Dinudvara mainly. Good, since she walked away from it. But why is the Balas Sholeshmez losing out? It almost makes no sense. Why should the Balas Sholish Meos lose out because the Balas Messiah was Masalik herself towards the mana? It's a very, very good kasha. It's not clear what the answer to this is, but at the same time, this is what the Gemara says. If you take a look at Toysvah, Toysvah says, The Amr Allah midin udvarim hu desliki v'chulu lo yisparish shaymer shaper time of the Hanulsa. So somebody was bothering Toysvah very, very much. In one line, Toysvah sums it up. Lo yisparish shaper time of the Hanulsa. And it's very mistaber that this is what was bothering Toysvah. But either way, sok the Gemara vayt. Hoyusham sholish meyash v'chulu. So we're moving now from the second scenario, which we're going to get back to, to the third scenario. What was the third scenario? The third scenario was where the man died and he left over 300 zos. So not 200 zos, 300 zos. And how is it divided? The Balas Mana, the one that was titled to 100, is going to get 50. The Balas Masayim is going to get 100. And the Balas Sholish Meis is going to get 150. 50 plus 100 plus 150. That's how you get to the sum of, of 300. Now, we made an Akimta in the second case, the case where the man died and he left over 200 Zuz that it's talking about where the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself towards the Balas Mana. Now, if that was the Akimta in the second case of the Mishnah in scenario two, we would assume that it's the same Akimta just to keep things consistent for scenario three. And that's the way the Gemara approaches this next third case of the Mishnah. So says the Gemara, if we made this Akimta that the Balas Masayim was Masalik herself in the first Mana, so we should have the same Akimta here as well. And if that's the case, the Gemara shall Masayim Mana, why does the Balas Masayim get a Mana? Shivin v'chamisha huda isla, what she should get is 75. Why? Because really, this case, scenario three, is the same as scenario two as it relates to the Balas Masayim. But the only thing that changed in scenario two versus scenario three is there's an extra mana. But the Balas Masayim has no shaykhs to that extra mana. Only the Balas Shalash Meis has a lien on that third mana. So really, it's the same case, right, just to keep this very, very simple, as scenario two. Scenario two is this 200. Scenario three is this 300. But Klapi, the Balas Masayim, she has no shaykhs to that third hundred. So it's again, it's like this 200. And that we said in scenario two, the Balas Masayim gets 75. And why does she get 75? Because she was Masalik herself from the Balas Mana. So we split the other 150 between her and the Balas Shalashmeis, the two that have a claim. So in scenario three, it should be the same thing. So why does she get a mana? How did she fadin a mana? Assuming that the Akimta, it's scenario three is the same as it was in scenario two. Why is she walking off with a mana? L'chura, which she should only get is the same 75 that she had in scenario to Amar Shmuel. So Shmuel said, you have no choice, but you have to say that the Akimta in scenario three is different than the Akimta in scenario two. Very posh the approach. 
What is the math? Literally, so the Gemara says the case is because Sevis Balas Sholish Meir is the Balas Masayim. The case is something else. Again, it's talking about a Siluk, but not the Balas Masayim being Masalik herself towards the Balas Mana, but it's the Balas Sholish Meir. She's the one that's the being is being Mavat there now, and she's being Masalik herself to the Balas Masayim and the Balas Mana to both of them. And she says as follows: Din Udvarim Eli Imachem Mana. I'm not going to take any part of the original Mana. Okay, the Gemara doesn't do the math for us. We have to do this ourselves. It's talking about with the Baal HaShol was Masalik herself in the first mana completely. Okay, so the first mana now, who has a claim on? The Balas mana and the Balas Mosayim. How much is it? It's 100. So they're going to split it equally. Each one's going to get 50. The second mana, the Baal HaShol was never Masalik herself from. Who has a claim on it? The Balas Mosayim and the Baal HaShol The Balas mana is out. So it's only the Balas Mosayim and the Baal HaShol How much was that second mana? Like every mana, it's 100. It's going to be divided into two. So now the Balas Mosayim is going to end up having 100. 50 from the first mana, 50 from the second mana. And now the Balas HaShol is in business as well. She just got her first 50. She walked away from the first mana. But she got half of the second mana. As it relates to the third mana, only the Balas HaShol is going to get it. So she's going to get 100. So she's going to have 100 on top of her 50. She's going to end up with 150. That's your math. So the Balas Mana gets 50. Why? Because she's only dividing it together with the Balas Masayim because the Balas Sholosh was Masalik herself. And as a result, you're taking the 100, you're dividing it into two. Each one's going to get 50. The Balas Masayim is going to get 100 because she's getting half of the first Mana. Again, why? Because she's dividing it with the Balas Mana because the Balas Sholosh was Masalik herself. Plus she's getting half of the second Mana because there's no Siluk, but it's just her and the Balas Sholosh So 50 plus 50 is 100. And the Baal HaSholosh gets half of the second mana because that she wasn't the Salik herself on. Plus the whole third mana because it's only hers. No one else has a Shibun on it. And as a result, she's going to get her 150. And that's the Cheshman of 50, 100, and 150. If you look at Toysfis, another one-line Toysfis, because Seves Baal HaSholosh says, Toysfis, Rebbe, I'm not sure what the Chiddush of this is. Meaning, it comes out, really, the whole Allah of this Mishnah is is very is based on akimtas. So good, you can make any akimta and come up with any alocha. So what exactly is the chiddush? Now Toysus's comment is on the koyseves balashalish meiros. It's on the it's on the third case, and presumably because once I know the second case, meaning even if there's some chiddush in the whole case of siluk, but good, once I know it in scenario two, it's the same principle as it relates to scenario three. So Toysus already in muches and Toysus speaks out. I'm not exactly sure what the chiddush of this third case is, but either way, this is the way we made the mishnah work. So partially, when you read the mishnah, it sounds like the mishnah came up with some algorithm some way of figuring out how you distribute all this money. And the Gemara said, after further review, Shmuel is the one that's talking in our sugi. Shmuel said, no, it's not the case. That's not what's happening over here. What's happening over here is there was a whole bunch of siluks. In the second case, in the case where he died, he left over Messiah. The Balas Messiah was Masalik, the words the Balas Mana. And in the third case, where he died, he left over Shalash Meis. The Balas Shalash Meis was Masalik from the first Mana towards the Balas Mana and the Balas Messiah. Bottom line is, if you plug it in, based on this idea, you're going to be able to make everything work. This is the first mahalach in terms of how to understand the Mishnah. You knew a daf like this was going to have another mahalach. Inami, another way to make this work. Rabbi Yaakov, not pocket straight the Ravino. Rabbi Yaakov, not pocket send the name Ravino. I heard a whole different mahalach of how to learn this Mishnah. Very good. He said, Reisha, the first case, I mean, the Reisha is talking about, the, or is, is referring to the case where the man died, he left over 200. It's talking about where. The man died. He left over 200 Zuz, but the money didn't arrive in one shot. 
So the man died, and there was, as we'll see, a, a certain amount of money. And then a short time later, he ended up falling into to more money. So the money that came did not all come at the same time. The Sefer, and the Sefer is also the Shtei Tfisais. It's also talking about Shtei Tfisais. What's the case of the Sefer? The Sefer is the case where he died and he left over 300 Zos. And the Gemara says, this is the way it works out. Reisha, the Shtei The Reisha is talking about where there were two Tfisais. It's talking about the Naflu Shivan V'chamish V'chadzim. That originally there were only 75 Zos for them to be able to split. And then afterwards, they got another 125 So what's this case? Again, the Gemara doesn't do the talking here. So we, it's all Tarish of Alpet. So the case was where he died, he left over 200 Zos. But there weren't 200 Zos Bevas Achas. The way it was, it was 75. And then afterwards, there were another 125. So let's just do the math. The first 75, there were three women that had a claim on. One woman had a ksuba for 100, one for 200, one for 300. This 75 is Bechlam Masayim Mana for all three of them. They all have an equal claim on it. So what are we going to do with the 75? It's easy. We're going to divide it equally amongst these three women. Each woman is going to end up getting 25. Now, if you think about it for a second, let's pause this frame. The woman that got 25, she still has a lien. How much of a lien does she still have in theory? She still has a lien of 75. Her ksuba is supposed to be 100. She just got a third of the 75 that was available. So as a result, she just got 25. But there's still a shibud of another 75. The woman whose ksuba is mosayim got 25, which means that there's still a lien, there's a shibud of 175. The woman whose ksuba is shalishmeh also got 25, which means there's still a lien of how much? A lien of 275. Okay. Now there was another tfisa. The second tfisa was for how much? It was for 125. Of the 125, 75 of it, all three women have a shibur on. Because we said, even the balas mana still owed 75. The other 50, the balas masayim and the balas shalish mayors have a, have a shibur on. Because the Balas Messiah is owed 175, and the Balas Sholish made his, his own 275, and that 50 is well within the reach of both of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the 75 that they all three have a Shibun on, and each one is going to get a third. So originally, when 75 fell, they each got a third. Now, from the next 125, the first 75, where they all equally share this lien, they're again each going to get 25. So now all three of them are at 50. The other 50 is going to be divided amongst the two women that have a lien on it. That's the Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalish Meyers, which means they're going to each get 25, which is going to bump them now from 50 to 75. Oh, it's Kavaldik. That was the halacha of the Mishnah. The halacha of the Mishnah was that when he dies, he leaves over 200. The Balas Nona gets 50. The Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalosh Meyers get 75. The Gemara said, what? Like, what's the Cheshben behind that? What formula are we using? The Teretz is, it's an Aikimta. The Aikimta is where first 75 fell, then 125 fell. Once you do that and you understand the principle of Shibud, so then it's back of the envelope arithmetic. It's very simple. The first 75 was divided equally amongst the three. Of the next 125, being that 75 of it is Meshubah to everybody, because even the Balas Man is still old 75. So that two is divided by three, so now everybody's at 50. The last 50 
125 minus 75 is 50. The last 50 is divided two. That's how they end up getting 75. Safer, the safer, the last case in the mission is the same exact thing. Meaning the case where the man died, he left over 300, again, the state fees. But the state fees is the nafloshim v'chamish v'chadzim. The first 75. And then afterwards, it was... 225, what's the cheshman? It's the same thing. Again, let's just talk this out, because it's, it's a little complicated. The first 75 is going to be divided equally amongst the three. That's, that's very straightforward. The balas mana is going to be owed still 75. So she has a shiva on 75. The balas masayim is owed 175. And the balas sholish meos is owed 275. Now, how much fell in the second swoop? 225. Of the 225, the first 75 we have to take and divide equally, distribute it amongst the three. So now everyone's going to end up having 50. If you took 75 from 225 that just fell, it leaves you with 150. Of the 150, how much was still Meshubit to the Balas Masayim? The Balas Masayim was supposed to get 200. She got 25. That means from the 225 that just fell, she had a Shibut on 175. Of the 175, 75 was just distributed. So how much is left? There's 100. That 100 is going to be divided equally amongst the Balas Masayim and the Balas Shalash which means she's going to get a, another 50. So 25 from the original, 75. 25, we're now divvying up this next 225. Of the first 75, she got 25. So 25 plus 25 is 50. Now from the next 100 of the 225, she's getting half of it. So she just went from 50 to 100. How much is left? There's 50 that's left. It was 225 that fell. We knocked out 75, that was divided amongst three. Then we knocked out another 100, that was divided amongst two. So it's 75 plus 100 is 175. How much fell? 225, there's another 50. Who has that 50? Only the Balas Shalash Meos has it. At this point, everybody else is out. So the Balas Shalash Meos got 25, then another 25, then 50. The 25 and 25 and 50 is 100, plus this last 50 no one else is getting. Thus, she ends up getting 150. So the math actually ends up working very, very nicely. So Zokti Gemara, that Rav Yaakov Menahar Pokud said, that I heard in the name of the great Ravina, he said that the way to make this Mishnah works, make this Mishnah work, is by making this super ekimta. It's talking about where it fell besteit fisois. And if you work, then it fell besteit fisois. So then it's not being divided in one shot. If it's being divided in one shot, then there's no methodology to what the Mishnah said. But it's really being divided in two shots. And because it's being divided in two shots, so again, then you can plug and play. You can make this work. The second case in the Mishnah where he had 200, it's talking about where it was 75 and 125. The next cases where 75 and 225 all you have to understand is the basic principle of shibud and understand that if one person has a shibud he gets all of it if two people have a shibud they divide it into two if three people have a shibud they divide it into three you need a pen and a paper you do the math and everything is going to work out so really at the end of the day the gemara has two approaches how to understand the mishnah and they're both super duper ekimtas they're both not 
the Pashib Chan and the Mishnah, and they're really based on some sort of an Akimta. The first Akimta was Shmuel's Akimta. It's talking about where we're leveraging the concept of Siluk. The second Akimta was what Rabna Yaakim and Arpokit said in the name of Ravina. It's talking about where it fell Bishtet Visa. So by making some sort of Akimta, adding a tremendous Knech to the Pashib Chan and the Mishnah, that's the way to make this all work. Says the Gemara, even though the Mishnah just said, that Mishah Yonasu Shalish Nashimu Meis. One woman's ksub is 100, the other one's 200, the other one's 300. We divvy it up the way we divvy it up. And it's per all the Akimtas and the Mishnah. Abzak the Gemara Tanya, we had a Bryce that says, Umish is Rabnas. This was the Mishnah of Rabnas. Rabbi Yaimer, Rabbi Yaimer argued, he said, Ein ani royed varv to Rab Nassim. I don't agree with Rab Nassim. The Elo, when it comes to all these halachas, Elo chalkis b'shava. If you would ask me, I would say that halachas is always supposed to be chalkis b'shava. The way you're supposed to divide this is you're always supposed to divide it equally. And when it comes to ksuba, you divide it equally. Now, there's a very important Rashi on the bottom of the Yomit. Rashi says that the reason Rabbi said that you're supposed to divide it equally is... Because he disagrees with the whole premise of Rav Nassim. Everything we just learned right now, this was the first thing we spoke about before we started the Gemara, is that when you cheshbe now, how are you going to divide the ksuba? You have to take each woman's ksuba into account. And the reason is because depending on how much your ksuba is, that's how much of a lean you have. That's how much of a shibud you have. And that's what we kept on saying. That for the first mana, everyone has a chelik in it. The second mana, only the balas masayim, the balas shalish mes. The third mana, only the balas shalish mes. Why? Why is it looked at that way? Because what do you mean? I have a ksuba for a mana, so I only have a shibud on a mana. You have a ksuba for masayim, so good. You could have a shibud on masayim. But based on what the dollar value of your ksuba is, that's how much shibud you have, and that gives you your schus, that determines your position in this financial distribution. But Rebbe argued with the whole premise. Rebbe held that if a woman has a ksuba for a mana, and a man owns 300 zuz when he dies, the shibud is not only on a mana, the shibud is on the whole 300 zuz. And being that the shibud is on the whole 300 zuz, so really everybody has a shibud on everything. And because everybody has a shibud on everything, that's why you would have to divide it equally. That's the way Rashi explains the Gemara. It's because everyone has a pro-rata shibud. And Rashi, just to bring out the point, contrasts it with the last line of the Mishnah, which is going to be the topic of the balance of the daf. And that is, is the case where you had three shutfin and they all contributed to something equally. So one person put a money into the pot, the other person put masayim zuz into the pot, and the third person put shalish meir zuz into the pot. In that case, it's understood that it's not going to be distributed equally. Why not? Because every person contributed disproportionately. So therefore, based on what your contribution is, it makes sense that that's the way it should be distributed. But over here, this is not a contribution. That's not what happened over here. The reason the balas mana is owed a mana is not because she gave a mana when she got married. Even though there isn't a, a, a concept of an adunya that the woman does give and becomes part and parcel of the ksuba. Right now, we're discussing the ikr ksuba. So, as it relates to the ikr ksuba, it's just a chayv that the husband has because he obligated himself. So that it's not a, a direct result of her contribution. So basically, the husband, 
obligated himself to give the balas mana mana, the balas masayim masayim, the balas shalosh meis shalosh meis. And when he did that, he was meshabed all his nechasim. That's the way ksuba works. You meshabed glimat al kaspai. So he was meshabed himself one hundred percent to have to pay up this loan. So really, everything that he owns is meshubat to the hundred. It's meshubat to the two hundred. Meshubat to the three hundred. So time is rebbe very very logically. So if that's the case, I don't understand how you have a right to suddenly bifurcate each money and say, well, you owe the money, so you have a shaykhist to this money. You owe Messiah, you have a shaykhist to this Messiah. Right, in the second feast, so 225 fell. We took that 225 and we divided it into 75 and then another 100 and then another 50. Mechatesa. Says Rabbi, all monies are mushubit to all of these nashim. If their chiyuv came as a result of a contribution that they made. So then you could say it's the shibud and their rights is totally in their contribution. But it's not based on a contribution. It's based on a chayv that the man has. So it's based on a chayv that the man has. What's the halacha going to be? In all three of the cases, you're going to divide it equally. So let's just play it out. In the case where the man dies, he leaves over a mana, everyone's going to get 33 and a third. In the case when the man dies, he leaves over Mosayim, so do 200 divided by 3, that's what everyone's going to get. And the case when the man dies and he leaves over 300, everyone's going to end up getting a money. So it's Kedai to see the words of Taisvis, we learned some of these Taisvis, and it's Kedai to see the last Taisvis, just the first five, six lines. Pirish Rabbeinu Hanan, or Rabbeinu Hanan, said, When it comes to this halacha, we pass him like Rabbi. I have a very hard time with Rebbe Shita. You mean to tell me, let's take the third case, because this brings out the case the most, that when the man dies, he leaves over 300 zos. So everyone's going to end up getting a mana. Balas meya meya, ubalas masayim meya, ubalas sholish meya meya. I have a very hard time with this. That the one that's owed 100 is going to get 100%. The one that's owed 200 is going to get 50%. And the one that's owed 300 can only get 33 and a third percent. The fish and Midas Hadin like it is there. Midas Hadin is being like it. Right? The Midas Hadin is, is Mamish being like it. It's, it's getting whacked out the whole Midas Hadin over here. It doesn't make sense. Hello. So it says Toysfis, I'll tell you how we, the Bali Toysfis, learned. The way we learned in the yeshiva of the Bali Toysfis was that when Rebbe said he didn't mean that everyone should divide it equally. Because Midas Hadin is going to be like But rather, what it means is what you do is you don't divide it literally equally but you divide it what we call in English pro rata what we do is we take everything that this man left over and we divide it into six parts Shalman the one that's on a mother he gets one six the one that's two hundred gets two six the one that's owed three hundred gimel chalakim is going to end up getting three six each person is getting based on her money that's already been Sadek. And this is the way, says Toysfis, that we believe this works. So Chalkas Peshava doesn't mean that you literally divide it equally. Chalkas Peshava means pro rata. Meaning Toysfis is not arguing with what Rashi said, the Ikur Hanacha, that the point of Rebbe is blitz and really the punchline. And where Rebbe saw the world differently than Rav Nassim in this sugya, 
was based on Rav sees that the Balas may only has a Shibur on a May. The Balas Masayim has a Shibur on Masayim. The Balas Sholish Meis has a Shibur on Sholish Meis. Rebbe says, I disagree with that. Everyone has a Shibur on everything. Because this is not a contribution. It's based on a, on, on a Chiyuv that the husband has that he has to be Meshabit. All is Nechassim for his wife's Ksuba. The only question is, okay, Asher Alke, now what? So now there's going to be an equal distribution. Does it mean Cholk is Peshava? Literally, Taisha says that it's very, very hard to understand that the Efshalahamid Varov, why the Fisha Midas had in Loikavaza, rather what you do is you do it pro rata, and Lashani Azov of Taisha says that if you're going to do it pro rata, Kized Din Tzedek, then it's going to come out that everything is going to be really, really beautiful. Either way, moving along to the next part of the daf going to go much quicker. And that is, the Mishnah concluded and said, the same is true, if there were three people, three investors, three partners, they contributed money to some sort of venture, and they put the money into a kiss, if it goes up or down, this is the way that they're going to divide it. Let's just see Rashi in the Mishnah. Rashi said, the last two Rashis, so three people contributed money. What's the purpose of the money? They're going to buy They want to make money. So the way the profits and the losses are distributed are lefima oisav based on how much money you gave, and here it's for sure pro rata. There's no shaila that the way it's going to work is pro rata. Toisvus is that even in the case of ksuba, it works pro rata. The reason here it's so pashit is because over here you're basically getting based on what your contribution was. So each person owns a, a certain percentage. So if it's 100, 200, 300, the one that gave 100 owns one-sixth of the pot. The one that gave 200 owns two-sixths. The one that gave 300 owns three-sixths. And based on your percentage, that's how much you're going to end up getting. Shmuel said the following. So again, we have the Mishnah. Let's hold the thought of the Mishnah. We're going to interrupt now with a, a memra that the great Shmuel said. Right, Shmuel is very much the Manda Omar in today's daf. And at the very, very end of the Gemara's brief analysis of Shmuel, the Gemara is going to come back to our mission. So let's just put the Mishnah's halacha on ice just for a few moments. Says the Gemara Omar Shmuel, Shmuel said, Shnayim, If there were two people that contributed into a kiss, Zem, one of Masayim. So you have two people that are going into Geshef together. One person contributed a mana, the other person contributed a Masayim. So mana is a hundred zos. So one person gave a hundred zos, the other person gave two hundred zos. If they go out and they make money, the way they distribute the profits is 50-50. You, dis- you split it in half. Says the Gemara, my Rabbi, Rabbi said, Mestabri, Milzay, there's Shmuel, right? Rabbi said, what? How could that be the case? So he said it's mistaber that when Shmuel said his Allah, he was talking about Bashar Kharish, Vaiman Kharisha. It's talking about these two people that went into business, they bought a Shar Kharisha. They bought a Shar, and the purpose of the Shar was gonna be Ta'akr. They were gonna use this Shar to, to plow. That was the tachos of the Shar. And they never changed their mind. They ended up using it Kharisha. So their intention was for Kharisha, and then the Basaifu was Kharisha. They always intended to use this Kharisha. That's the case that Shmuel said that you're gonna divide it 50-50. And the reason is, says Rashi, because even though one person contributed more than the other, but at the end of the day they need each other. Because they bought one shar with all the money, and the shar is a, a whole shar and needs to be a whole shar if you're going to be able to do what you need to do. And it's for that reason each person is considered an equal baldover in the shar. 
And therefore, they're going to split any income that's going to come as a result of this Harisha in half. Right? Just to see Rashi's Lashen inside. Shar Harisha, the top line. Shalakhu ben Shar Lachrosh, they bought it, the Harisha. The Harshim by its Oymah the Harisha. They in Chelkai Shalzem, Mayo Belay Chelkai Shalzeklum. Each one's chalik is worthless without the other. It's for that reason they divide it equally. And that's what Shmuel was talking about, said Rabbi. But what would be, says Rashi, if they bought, says the Gemara, if they bought the Sharlach Harisha, they bought it with the intention of akering, then they decided afterwards to shecht it and then just divide up all the, all the meat. And Rashi says the same would be true if they bought it litvicha and it was oimed litvicha. But says the Gemara in that case, where ultimately they're using it not lecharisha, but they're using it leticha. Zen noita lefima oisav. Zen noita lefima oisav. Each person is going to end up getting pro rata what he's supposed to get, and the reason is because over here they're using it for tficha, and if you're using it for tficha, so then we say each person gets kefi what he pay. You put up two-thirds of the money, so you're entitled to two-thirds of the pastrami, right? You get two-thirds of the meat. If you put up two-thirds of the money, I put up a third of the money, so I'm going to end up getting a third. If it's being used like harisha, so then we say that svara, that in chelkoi shalzeh, moyol, beloi chelkoi shalzeh. But if they ended up using it letvicha, Rashi's Lashen is, sharei meschalik leivarov. Over here, the way we look at it is, they bought the meat. They didn't buy an animal, they bought the flesh that this animal is going to produce once you shecht it. And being that it's very straightforward, you put up a third of the money, you put up two thirds of the money, so that's the way we're going to end up dividing it. That was what Rabbi said. So again, what did Shmuel say? Shmuel said, Shnaim Shetil, the kids, Zemana Vizemasayim, one person put up a money, the other person put up a sign, one person put up a third of the money, the other person put up two thirds of the money, Haschayla Emsa. We divide the money equally. Not a third and two thirds, but it's a 50 50 distribution. So, Rabbi, it's Mastaba that this only makes sense if they bought a Lecharisha, because this is a Svarven. But if they bought it, it's as if they bought the Eivarim, and then it's Meschalik Leivarim, so now one person's going to get two-thirds, and the other person's going to get one-third. Who said this? Rabbah. Rabbah. No number of them. said, nah, I don't think that's what Shmuel meant. I believe that Shmuel meant in all cases, you're always going to divide it in half. So again, we have an Amoira Shmuel that makes a comment, and then we have a Machloikis amongst later Amoiraim, Rabbah and Rabbah Nuna, trying to understand Understand what the earlier Amoira Shmuel meant. So when Shmuel said Haschar Emsa, Rabbi said he meant only when you bought a Shar Lecharisha based on that very unique Svara in Chelko Shazam Mayot Belechelko Shazaklom. Rav Amnuna said he meant it in every single situation. Afilu Shar Lecharisha Vaymed Leticha. Even if you end up shechting it, Haschar is still going to be Lemsa. Faith the Gemara Meisve. I'll ask you a kasha. Now you would think the Gemara would ask from our Mishnah right away. Which the Gemara is eventually going to ask. But the Gemara is first going to ask from a Bryce, and then we're going to work our way towards the Mishnah. There were two people that invested together. One person contributed a money, the other person contributed a money. If his profits, they divide the profits in half. So the Gemara says, Probably it's talking about a case, even where it's And still you see that Allah is Aschar La'emtza. Who said that? Rav Amnuna was the one that said that, that in all cases, Aschar Emsa. what did Rabbi say? The only time Aschar Emsa is if it's Oymed L'Charisha, but if it's Oymed L'Tficha, so then you divide it L'Fima Oysa, V'Tufta the Rabbi, so L'Churi Yavim Mufurish Abraisa, that's not like Rabbi, the Gemara says, who said that's what the 
Bryce is talking about. That's a very nice akimta. But who told you to make this akimta? Maybe the Bryce is talking about where it's being Oymad Acharisha. So the Gemara says, I hear. So basically, what you're telling me is it's only where it's Oymad Acharisha, right? Rabbi's akimta in Shmuel. That's the akimta you're making in the Bryce. That's the only time where it's Mishalik But in the case where it was Acharisha, but now it's being Oymad Latvicha, what's the halach? So then you're going to tell me you distribute it, you divide it pro rata based on how much each person it can't contribute it. If that's the case, add the Tony Sefer. If you look at that Brysa, the Brysa has a, a Sefer. Right? Usually when the Gemara makes an interesting Hanukha in a Brysa, it's because it's a Sefer. That's really what's tugging on the Gemara and not allowing you to be easily matcha, right? The reason the Gemara had this, this Havamino that the Reish is talking about where it's Oymid Latvicha is because of the Sefer. So what's the Sefer? Let's say you have two people. Each person bought his own chart. I bought my shah for a money, you bought your shah for a sign. And then they got mixed up and they both did work. Then Then each person is going to end up getting based on when he contributed. Says the Gemara. Now, if you're going to tell me that the only time Dalach is Askar La is when it's Oimed Lecharisha, but if it's Oimed Lecharisha, it's going to be Lefima Oisav. So if the Bryce itself wanted to tell me a case of why did it have to jump to a case where it was Nesarev, where there were two different Shvarim and they got mixed up? Keep it simple. Live like Velisni Bedide. We could have stayed consistent, talked about where there's only one Shar and say the following. When is it true that the halach is that you divide it equally? So from the safe of the Bryce, it sounds a little bit that the ratio of the Bryce is all cases. It doesn't matter if it's Oymid Lachrisha, it doesn't matter if it's Oymid Latvicha, it's always going to be Aschar Emsa. It sounds like from the Bryce that the only time it's Lafima Oysa is if there were two Shvarim that got mixed up. But anytime two partners buy one Shar, together, you're always going to have a schar lamsa. Now that was what Rav Hamnuna said, but it's not Rabbi. Rabbi made this akim to Shmuel, that Shmuel only meant that a schar lamsa when it's oimel the chrishna, but if it's oimel the tvicha, that's not the case. So says the Gemara, isn't this a tuf to the Rabbi? Marissa, it's not a tuf to the Rabbi. Because the oilam, I'll tell you that what the b'raisa means when it says a schar lamsa, we're talking about a case where it was oimel le chrishna. What's the kasha? That if it's oimel le tvicha, it's kiflafima oisav, then let the Sefer that's telling me a case of Lefima Oisav be talking about one Shar where it was Oymed Latvicha. The Gemara says, Hachi Nami Kamar. That's really what the Brysa means. Now, it didn't say it, but it meant it, and we pull off a little Chesurim Machsar here. But Med, Varimamurim, this is the way you read the Brysa. The Brysa says there were two partners. Shnaim Shetilu Luke, Zem, one of his Emosai. What's Talochas Charla Emsa? This is the insert. When is this true? That's if the Shar is Oymed Lacharisha. Because then you have a Svara, like Rabbi said, Ain Chelkosh Elzem Moral. But in the event that the shah was Amil Latvicha, then it's Nasa. That's the punchline. We look at it as if it was Kemisha Lokach Zabashaloi, Zabashaloi, Vinis Arvu, as if they each put their own shah and then they got mixed up. And what's that Lokach? So, with a little bit of surgery, we can make this Bryce work however we want to make it work. And in this case, we make it work with Rabba, and that's why it's not going to be a kasha and rabbah. So the bottom line is, we have Shmuel's memra. Shmuel said that, Shnayim shehitilu lukiz, zem, one of his emosayim, you have two people that contributed to a kiss, they're going to buy a shard, that's the case of the mission, the case of the sugya. One contributed a mana, the other contributed a masayim. What's the halacha? Ascharla emtza. According to rabbah, 
Don't take this out of context. You have to read the not such fine print. The only time this is true is if the shor was being used lecharish. Because it's a svara in chelkosh And therefore, even though they contributed disproportionately, it gets divided 50 50. However, if the shar is oimid leticha, then it's like they bought the flesh. And your mechalik, this shar, kefiyevarov, which would seem the, the more logical way to do it. Rav Hamnuna said, no, afilu oimid leticha, even when the shar is oimid leticha, still the halach is going to be haschar lands. So the Gemara had. This Machoikis Amayra, had to understand Amayra Shmuel, we're trying to now see how it stems with what the Tanoim had to say on the topic. The first Tsushta was a Braisa, which at first glance felt a lot like Rav Hamnuna, but right? we're able to use all the buzzwords and end up making it work, even according to Rabba. But now the Gemara is going to ask, from the Mishnah. Because really the Mishnah seemed to literally discuss this case. What was the Mishnah talking about? Gimel she'itilu lukis, pichasu ayhoisiru kachin cholkin. It goes up or down in value. What's the halacha? Kachin cholkin, what? We spoke at the Rashi when we saw the Mishnah. Rashi says, kol echod ve'echod noitel b'scharu behefsid l'fima oisav. The way we divided it, divided is not equally, but it's pro rata based on how much each person contributed. So this seems to be at first glance a uh, head-on tzushtel to the sugi that we're learning. It says the Gemara, The Gemara says, My love, pichasu, pichasu mamish. Hoisiru, hoisiru mamish. It sounds like at first glance this investment either went up in value, went down in value, and made money, it lost money. And what's the halacha? We divide a pro rata. That's not what Shmuel said. Shmuel said Chalkin Bishava. Now the way Tosis explains the Gemara's cash is as follows: Bishloim according to Rabbu. The Rabbu said that the only time Shmuel said is Alacha is if it's Oimed Lecharisha. We have a special svar of Enchelkish as a Moyobel Enchelkish as a Klum. So it's not a cash of the Mishnah because the whole Shmuel is talking about a very specific case. So good, the Mishnah is not talking about that case. Oh, but Rav Hamnuna. Now the cash is on Rav Hamnuna. According to Rav Hamnuna, that said that in all cases the Alacha is Aschar Emza, even when you bought a litvicha. It's the last chalets. It's not the Mishnah. The Mishnah said exactly the opposite of what Shmuel said. And Shmuel, with all his credentials, can't argue with the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Nachman. I'm a Rabbi Baravu Allah. You have to say, when the Mishnah says, Pichasu and Isiru, it doesn't mean mamish. It doesn't mean literally this investment where either earn money or lost money. But rather, you know what it means? It's a whole different case. Isiru means Zuzi, Chadati. Pichasu means Astiru Detsunisa. What it means is the actual coins went up or down in value. So it's hard for us to relate to this, although uh, we're all somewhat familiar with inflation. But this concept that a coin had real intrinsic value, and because a coin had real intrinsic value, there were times that the coins themselves, the actual currency, would go up in value or would go down in value. And that's what the Mishnah is referring to. According to Rav Hamnuna, when the Mishnah says, Pichasu Ayayisiru, it's going to go pro rata, what it means is the actual coin is now worth more money. Or the actual coin is worth less money. This Lashen, Astira Ditsunisa, Sarashi says that what it means is the coin went down so much in value, and the only thing you can use it for is if you have a maka. So if somebody has a little clap, something's hurting him, so you can use it as a bandage, right? That's literally all, it's a chaspa ba'amu. That's the only thing you can do with it. It's just an expression. But the point over here is that in the event that it 
makes money or loses money, then Rav Amnuna is going to tell you, no, then I think Talach is going to be Aschar Be'emtza. What does the Mishnah mean when it said, that it's going to be Kefima Oisa? The Mishnah was talking specifically where the money, the currency itself, either went up or down in value, and it's based on that, that Talach is, it's going to be Kefima Oisa. So the bottom line is, is that as it relates to the last line of the Mishnah, the second part of the Da'af, Three people contributed disproportionately. They're buying something. They're going to buy a shar. And the shar makes money, loses money. You divide the profits and the losses pro rata based on how much each person contributed. That's the way Rashi explained the Mishnah. But really, at the end of the day, that shot in the Mishnah is only true according to Rabbah Aliba de Shmuel. But according to Rav Hamnuna Aliba de Shmuel, Talach is that if it simply makes or loses money, it's still going to be Chalkas Veshava. What does the Mishnah mean when it says, Pichasu Oyhoisiru Kachin Chalkin? What it's referring to is where the actual money went up and down in value. The, literally, the kiss itself, there's money sitting there, went up and down. Okay, then Avada, each person contributed his money. Your money went up, so you take the profit. Your money went down, you lose the profit. But as far as the profits and the losses of the actual venture, that according to Rav Amnuna, Aliba de Shmuel, is always going to be divided equally.